Welcome, I'm Pastor Abraham, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Sun Valley Podcast. You can check out our church on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for worship thoughts, devotionals, and the latest events happening at our church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. This morning, I want to pray as we open. So let's just bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, the batteries are changed. We've had an amazing uh, worship service. I just want to ask that you bless the band and everyone that's contributed to the service so far. But Father, right now, I just ask that uh, my words be your words. You know what's been heavy on my heart for a while. And uh, I just ask that you come into this presence and with everyone online and just speak to us, please. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for answering this prayer. Amen. So I don't know about you, but I feel like it's been a weird year, like really weird. It's only September 2020, but uh, this year has seen some unbelievable stuff. Uh, And I just want to take a couple minutes this morning and talk about that. Uh, If you were to tell me last year that anything that's happened this year would happen, I would not have believed you. Uh, Society has just changed. It's been a little bit weird. Uh, Karina was in line to get into Costco, and she was, you know, pushing her cart up to the store, and suddenly this woman just flips out and starts chewing a strip off of her, and she didn't realize there was this huge long lineup, and she was just, you know, minding her business and going in. And, I mean, the way that she just unraveled was amazing. Uh, another time I'm standing in line and, 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 you know, people are asking, is this hand sanitizer stuff sanitized? Now, think about that for a minute. It doesn't matter because you're about to sanitize your hands, but they were like wigging out over, is this all sanitized? Uh, Elise works in, or worked in retail and she said the amount of stuff that, that people do uh, is amazing. Uh, another time was um, in talking to uh, one of the Costco employees, he said when there was that whole rush on toilet paper, some of the employees were actually afraid for their lives. Like that's why they hired a security guard because they were so terrified of how people were rushing in there. Like society is just unraveling. So, you know, there's no way I would have believed in a heartbeat that something would change the way that we treat each other so radically in just such a short amount of time. So um, I want to spend a couple minutes and just recap a little bit about what's happened in the last little while. So follow me here. Uh, A virus, COVID, has spread in a way that was similar to the Spanish flu in 1918. While we only had one wave so far, it definitely has the potential to be just as powerful. Uh, And does anyone know how many pandemics we've had this century? Anyone want to take a guess? You can't online, but anybody here? Shout out a number. How many pandemics do you think we've had? This century. So what is that, 100 years? Ten? Two? Okay. 
Uh, it's actually somewhere in the middle. Uh, according to the WHO, this is our sixth pandemic this century. Now follow this here. We had H1N1 in 2009, Ebola in 2014, polio in 2014, Zika in 2016, Ebola again in 2019, and now COVID. Now think about that. That's actually just in the last 11 years. We've had six pandemics. So, I just, I'm thankful so much for our medical advances, for anyone that works in the medical field, and some of the, the struggles and the challenges they've had to go through, the sacrifices. But because of medical advances, we're able to start putting some of these pandemics at bay, and especially because some of the social measures take care of each other. Um, you know, we're, we're doing okay. But uh, we all know that this is not the last one. There's many more to come. It's prophecy. Prophecy talks about how there will be many diseases that potentially could end in death. Um, so that's what's still coming. But back to COVID. All air travel was suspended, rail travel, bus service. Maybe Greyhound was on to something when you think about it. Like right when they dropped off, that's when it all got suspended. They're a little bit smart. Uh, international borders were closed, but even provincial borders. We couldn't go from BC to Alberta. Uh, I tried. My, my father actually went into the hospital, and they said, we will not let you into the hospital if you come out here. So just don't bother entering Alberta. Uh, schools shut down. Uh, some kids were happy. Um, sports shut down. Uh, churches were shut down. Now get this, medical or marijuana dispensaries were open, but churches were shut down. I, I just don't see the connect. I, I, I don't. Uh, at any rate, COVID-19 is about to pass the one million mark for deaths globally. It has infected 32 million people worldwide. It's been detected in almost every country. There's been 200 and something countries that it's been found in. It will likely cost between 8.1 and 15.8 trillion dollars globally. So I don't want to go on and on about the gloom and doom of COVID because quite frankly, you can just turn on the news and watch any of that. Uh, that's, that's not the purpose here, but I wanted to give a bit of context to our talk this morning. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed how family's been affected, how your friends have been affected. I certainly have noticed it with my coworkers. Um, and even though we work in the mental health field, it still affects everyone. You know, it, it drives something inside of us that awakens fear. What if? And of course, we know that fear is an acronym for false evidence appearing real but it definitely awakens some fear in people. Uh, we've got the full range of emotions from, I'm freaking out, get away from me. Uh, I'm gonna lock myself in my house and not breathe air for months, to, you know, this is very serious and we need to take it seriously, wear masks, social distance, 
to some people are just getting sick and tired of it, and they want it to all be over, uh, to I don't think that it's going to affect me because I'm young and forget all these social measures, uh, to the very far end of the spectrum, which is I don't believe that any of this exists, I think this is all contrived, I think that it's a big hoax. So you've got the full range of spectrums of emotions for people. Now, we actually had to have a staff meeting at my uh, facility, and we talked about how anyone that comes in, they're going to be somewhere on that full range. We have to respect each other, regardless of our beliefs around it. That was a beginning. Like, we have to at least respect each other and treat each other kindly. Because right now in society, we see so much um, turmoil over different people expressing different things. Uh, in fact, uh, we have to wear masks at work, but because our work is so crucial to human interaction, I actually bought these masks that uh, have a clear window right here so that you can see the expression of your therapist. Uh, because we, we rely on that so heavily, we need human interaction. So just small ways that people have been adjusting. But you know, while the world's going crazy and things are a little bit weird, I, I, I want to point your attention to Isaiah 65, verse 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them or turn them on, whichever format you have them in. But uh, Isaiah 65, verse 2, it, it says this. Isaiah 65, verse 2. All day long, I have held out my hands to an abstinent people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. Other versions have talked about, we think our own thoughts stubbornly. And I can't help but think, is that what's happening now? Despite everything that's going on, are we stuck in our own thoughts and our own worries and fears and emotions? I, th I think we can be a pretty stubborn people sometimes. So I want to shift gears and move from the context of what we just read, all the stats in COVID, and how we're feeling and our emotions. I want to move now towards uh, a talk on our mental health and how we can transcend these times. Because I really believe that we, a people of given hope by Christ, that we just saw in the children's uh, video, that we have promises that we can hang on to. Now, it's going to be a bit of a whining journey here today through the sermon, through the talk. So just follow me. Uh, it's a bit of a scattered brain up there, uh, so bear with me. But I believe that we as Christians have a light that we have to offer in the midst of chaos. Uh, and I love this analogy of a lighthouse. You know, the, the, the waves are raging all around, and yet some people are just grounded firm in a belief and in a truth and in a light. And how are we, are we as Christians able to be that lighthouse to not only ourselves, but to our friends? to those people that we go to school with, to our coworkers, to our family. So times like this, there's a few texts that uh, jump out, and um, we're going to show a couple of them up here. 
Uh, one of them is going to be found in uh, James, one of my favorite books, by the way, just if you're wondering. Uh, and it says this, James 1, verse 2 to 8. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whatever you face, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. And unfortunately, we just see a lot of unstable right now. Yet, I really love this text because it continues on with uh, the analogy of the sea and lighthouses and a, a boat being tossed about. Next one is going to be found in Joshua and it's in Joshua verse one, or chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And the last text is going to be found in Ezra chapter 10, verse 4. Rise up. This matter is in your hands. We will support you, so take courage and do it. Now, those are just a couple of texts. There are so many. But I want to point out a couple of key words in some of these texts, and I want us to think about them as I move into the, sort of the next phase of the talk. Uh, and the, those key words I want you to remember are joy and courageous. So I want you to remember joy and courageous. Now, think about it. We're in trials and tribulations. The Bible just told us something completely unconventional that the world is teaching us. Be afraid, be cautious, you know, um, uh, keep away from each other. Yet the Bible has given us completely unconventional wisdom, which is have joy and be courageous. So watch, watch what happens. This, I want to change... I want to change your idea of when you read these texts and these verses, I want to change the way that we think about them in a small, small way. Ready? The psychologist in me is just jumping inside because I know what I'm about to talk to. I love this stuff so much. Uh, so buckle up. Uh, that's geek talk, but whatever. Um, so uh, I'm going to take us to three studies. There's three studies that I want to point to and highlight today. And they were all studies done on stress. Now, would you agree? In fact, let's take a bit of a, a poll. How many would say that you had some mild stress this year? By a raise of hands. Okay, mild stress. Anybody have moderate stress this year? Moderate stress? Okay, anyone have high stress this year? It has been tough. Yeah. So... The first study I want to take us to is from the University of Wisconsin. 
from the School of Medicine and Public Health. Now, in this study, it tracked 30,000 Americans for eight years. Now, in terms of studies, that's a pretty good study. You're going to get some good data out of that. So 30,000 Americans, Canadians were the same. Um, 30,000 Americans for eight years. And it asked this question. This was the premise of this first study. How much stress do you have? And do you believe stress is harmful? How much stress do you have and do you believe stress is harmful? Now, in the world of counseling, there's something called a stress test. If I were to interview some of these strapping young folk that are smart and intelligent and tough, and I were to administer a stress test, they actually would beat the majority of adults. There's a lot of stress in school. But some of us, you know, anytime there's a major event, like uh, unfortunately the little childs, that's been very stressful the last little while. Uh, our, our prayers will continue to go out to them. But something like that is very stressful. You know, um, losing a job, um, uh, going through a divorce, you know, like the major, major events in your life, when you take a stress test, they assign a certain amount of points for all of those things. And after going through someone's entire life, you sort of add up all the stress and, oh my goodness, yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. There's a lot of stress. In fact, when I was in school, uh, one of the research papers I had to do was on stress. I don't know why I chose it, because I was probably going through it. But the more I read about stress, researched stress, wrote about stress, and I think I even talked to you guys about, a bit about this before, the more I had the topic of stress always forefront on my mind was the year that I actually developed an ulcer. And I can't help but wonder, was my body manifesting all my thoughts into a physical condition? Bizarre. Do you remember that, dear? That was, that was stressful times, but I was also studying about it. So what created what? At any rate, they asked these 30,000 Americans, how much stress do you have and do you believe stress is harmful? Then they took this really weird way of measuring the results of stress. They went to the public records and tabulated how many people died of stress-related diseases. Kind of morbid, but that's what they did. What did they find? That there was a 43% increased chance of dying for those who experienced a lot of stress. 43% increased chance of dying if there was a lot of stress in your life. Now, the funny part was that it was only true, now catch this, it was only true for those that believed stress was harmful to your health. Those that had a lot of stress, but didn't necessarily believe that it was harmful to their health, did not see an increase in chance of dying. In fact, when they measured their health, it was, comparable to, it was comparable to those who had very little to no stress. So think about it, the same amount of high stress, but just the only difference was their belief that it was not harmful. Knocked them down from 43% to a very small percentage. Now, to me, that's crazy, 
um, they found that out of those Americans that they measured, there were 20,000 Americans that died not from stress, but from the belief that stress is bad for you. 20,000 Americans died each year because they believed that stress was bad for you. Now that's a little mind-blowing. This places the belief of stress killing you at spot number, ready? Number 15 on the list of the top killers in the US. This means that it was ahead of cancer, skin cancer, HIV, and all homicides. The belief that stress is harmful killed more people than any of those other diseases. So we need to change our mind about stress and the condition that the world is around us. It is imperative that we change the way that we view stress. So the next study is a study from the University of Harvard. Again, on the topic of stress, but this time they wanted to educate people about the stress response. That's when we perceive a stress, how does our body physiologically respond to it? So an example is um, we get a shot of adrenaline. Adrenaline is the hormone that says it's go time there's a battle to, to fight here. Like, rah, you charge the hill. Um, so adrenaline can be good, especially for us adrenaline junkies. You know, we jump off a cliff, that sort of stuff. Love it, but it has a wear and tear on the body. Um, another response is your, so you get a shot of adrenaline, but then your heart also starts to pound more. And it's because your body's trying to get oxygen into your body faster. Uh, so, what they were teaching this group was to identify what their body's response was to stress, uh, which was supposedly good. So here's what they found. Normally when a blood vessel constricts, there's stress, adrenaline pumping through it, the body's vessel closes in like this. And that's just your body's way of getting blood to pump faster through the body. What they found was that in people that understood their natural response to stress, they found that their, their vessels did not constrict. They found that they were the same as if nothing was happening. Because they understood that what's happening is normal right now. I'm getting only adrenaline, I'm getting more oxygen in my body, my heart's pumping faster. It's okay. It's go time. It's time for action. So they found that even in the way that their heart reacted was completely differently. There was no change. Uh, so, in fact, it was actually found to be very similar to moments of joy and courage. You know when you hold a baby and you feel love, or there's a loved one that you just feel so deeply about, or something happens that you feel elation and joy, it was actually similar to that. They didn't have a response to stress in a negative way. They found, they found that they were responding to stress in a positive way. Now, understand this, that this one change could be the difference 
between some of us dying of a heart attack at age 50 or living well into your 90s because it didn't have that wear and tear on the heart that normal stress would or how we would normally react to stress. So if all we did was change our perception of stress, we could completely live a whole second life. So how you think about stress in the world around us is potentially strengthening us or killing us. So I want you to think back to those texts earlier. It says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Be strong and courageous. So take courage and do it. Think about this. I just read from two different studies how scientifically they showed and are now understanding how our heart and our brain react to stress. They're concluding that if you understand stress and have courage, that you can experience joy. It, in essence, just proved this theory that the Bible was saying, which is completely unnatural, science has just proved why the Bible works, how amazingly created we are, that God anticipated how we would experience stress and harmful things in our life. And he created and embedded a mechanism in our bodies that if we understand and meditate on God's promises and understand that we need to be courageous and find joy in all things, that we'll actually have healing from it. God built in a mechanism to navigate us through what's happening right now. So, um, I, I just find that encouraging. Like, our designer, our creator, knew and designed us this way. So, when you reach out to others for help or to help them, your body is physiologically healing the heart and it's enhancing a love drug. Now, let's talk about this love drug for a second. Um, Stress produces cortisol, produces adrenaline, but one of the things that it also produces is oxytocin. Now, this is, to scientists and and anybody in the medical field, this is the the feel-good drug. This is the love drug. Uh, It's a neural hormone, which means that in our heart, there are actually receptor sites that absorb and soak in oxytocin. That when we are stressed, our body produces cortisol and adrenaline, but it also produces this oxytocin. That as our heart absorbs it, it heals our heart. It's a way of strengthening your heart during times of high stress. It fine-tunes your brains and your social instincts. It enhances empathy and improves social contact. That's what oxytocin does. You are more willing to help the people that you care about when you experience a rush of oxytocin. So, last study. This one is out of California, and it studied stress, but also measured how much people helped others. So, while going through stress, it measured people that 
transcended that stress and managed to actually reach out and help other people. Now, the bad news that was that for every major eventful or stress event in your life, that your uh, chance of um, dying increased by 30%. So we're not impervious to it. It increased our chance of dying by 30%. Uh, but for those who are actively helping others, there was no increase at all. Doesn't that blow your mind? That if we help other people, it takes our eyes off of ourselves and our problems, puts it on others, we feel good about it, and it actually medically decreases our chance of dying by, from 30% down to nothing. So if you think and act, it can transform your experience of stress. And if you think about the world right now and how stressed it is, more than ever it needs to understand how our body reacts to it, how we need to find joy and take courage, and how we need to help others. It's needed more than ever. So I just find that God is truly amazing, that he would create our bodies that way. The compassionate heart brings joy and meaning to others. When you choose to look at stress this way, you're not only getting healthier, you're making a profound statement. You're trusting God to bring you through while helping others. So let's talk about the, what this means. You know, when you read the media or turn on the news, I mean, it's just, I love CBC, like I, I, I love to watch it, but lately it's been getting less and less and less because all it, it, the government's not helping us enough. Fear and turmoil over here, panic over here, rioting here, like it's just, to me it's so negative sometimes and I, it, it just bothers me so much. Um, but, you know, we have a tendency to look to the government to help us or... Um, you know, these viruses, it's a, it's a big scam, or, you know, whatever the comment is that we hear in our daily life. How are you reacting to it? That's a question I want to pose to you. Are we buying into the comments? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. My neighbor was over the other day. Love the guy. He's a character. Um, but he's just, he's going on and on and on about some of this stuff. You know, like, the government's out to get them, being followed, coronavirus. Like, everything is doom and gloom. I was like, oh my goodness, you, you poor soul. So I decided, I decided to switch it up a bit. Instead of going, yeah, 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 yeah. Instead of just going along with it, I decided to switch it up and really practice these texts. And so I made a comment, you know, so-and-so. Uh, I have a different belief than you do, believe it or not. Um, I actually believe that it's going to be okay. I, I believe in God. I, I believe that he'll take care of us. I believe that if we call out to him, we'll be all right. And, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> he, he said something really interesting. He said, um, you know, James, I'd like to believe what you believe. I would but I don't. I don't believe in God, and I don't believe that. And I remember, I, as counselors, we're trained to be 
we're trained to be comfortable with awkward silences. So I just, I was just really quiet. And I just looked at him. And he was definitely uncomfortable, uh, which is good. But it made him think about what I said. And he could read the calmness on my face. And I just, I don't know, I, I, I thought it was cool that I switched up a bit. And I guarantee he's going to go home and think about it. And he's going to get in touch with me in a week or two, and he's going to bring it up. And I thought, man, what an in. What a potential opportunity for us to change things up as we're talking and conversing with people at our work or our friends or out and standing in line, because now there's lines up, there's lines everywhere. I mean, who would have thought that we would have lined up for toilet paper? Uh, that's stuff out of the Soviet era after the war. Like, you know, you read that in the history books, but who would have thought that it would happen now? But now we have an actual opportunity to talk and minister to people. So, this is, to me, this is just an opportunity to reflect God's character, Christ's character, to be his lighthouse. So I want to read something to you. A historian uh, is talking about this. Uh, a church historian by the name of Eubius. Um, I'm going to guess that's what the name is. Abraham, you want to take a guess at that one? Eusebius. Eusebius. Well, that's close. Eusebius describes a 4th century epidemic that spread through the Roman Empire. Far from fleeing the cities or shutting off their homes from others, Eusebius records that all day long, Christians tended to the dying and to the burial. Countless numbers with no one to care for them. Others gathered together from all parts of the city, a multitude of those withered from famine and distributed bread to all. As a result, Eusebius concludes the Christians' deeds were on everyone's lips and they glorified the God of the Christians. That's from a church historian, 4th century. I don't know. I, I guess I'm encouraged by it, knowing that our bodies were designed to transcend all of this and that when God says to have joy and to be courageous, that we actually are equipped for it and will live longer for it and we'll be able to help others and serve them in a way that other people won't. So, I've got a few practical ideas in closing. I want us to speak positively. I'm a huge believer in this. Hung by the Tongue is one of my favorite books. But I want us to speak positively. So, for some in here that may uh, be curious about this, let's just say that, be curious. I want you to track your thoughts, your comments, and your actions for a few days. Carry around a little journal or something. I want you to track as much as you can that shows where your heart is at and your mind. What are your actions and um, words saying about you? If you can, I want you to share them with someone that you trust. I want you to read and study God's word uh, for how you can change them. We've got so many texts that we can um, fall on. I specifically want to challenge that you 
um, look at the Gospel of John and read the Gospel of John if this is something that you really want to work through. Next, I want you to really be social. Listen to this cool statement. I want us to have social, not relational distancing. Social, not relational distancing. So obviously you want to follow the health guidelines, um, but if you need to use Zoom, go for it. If you need to call people, remember the 80s when we actually would call people all the time on the phone? Man, my cell phone bills were through the roof. I would spend 400 bucks a month on my cell phone bill and 50 bucks a month on food. <laughs> Can you believe that? Karina was in California at the time. Um, if she knew that too, she would have been mad at me, but it's okay. Um, I, want, I want us to take walks with people and meet people in the park. One of the most creative ways that people have been social is they've formed this, this caravan circle in the middle of huge parking lots and they would visit, they roll down their windows and visit with people that way. Uh, I thought that, that's pretty creative. Obviously, we need to exercise. So give your body an outlet, just get out there. Uh, exercise more, your body needs that. Meditate, uh, meditate on God's promises. Meditate to calm your body. Meditate on your reactions. Just spend some time in thought. Uh, believe it or not, I'm going to recommend yoga or some stretching. Uh, it's so beneficial. This summer I was uh, in, no, this spring, Alex and I went to um, Stanley Park in Vancouver. And right in the middle, there's this one section of Stanley Park that's this massive, massive field. And you can see the mountains with snow on them in the distance. Uh, what are those ski hills called? Grouse Mountain or something? And in the middle of this huge, massive grass field, there's two little old Chinese ladies. <laughs> like, they're all alone. No one else is there. And they're doing Tai Chi. You know, like, whatever it is, Tai Chi. I don't know how to do Tai Chi. Uh, and I've always wanted to learn. So I actually walked up to them and I said, man, would you be willing to teach me Tai Chi? Can I do Tai Chi with you right now? And like, are you kidding? Yeah, of course. We'll start all over again just for you. Come, stand like this. And they're like moving me around and, and they're giggling and they're saying little things to each other in Chinese and I don't know what it was. Probably look at this old guy and uh, he can't move as, as well as we can and we're in our 80s and 90s. But uh, it was just neat to be able to do Tai Chi and I found it, I found while I was doing it, I was in the presence of God. Because here I'm looking at these mountains, blue sky, beautiful park all around us. Things were starting to be shut down from COVID. And here I actually found in the presence of my two new friends, I found a peace that was amazing. Yoga, Tai Chi, whatever it is. I want you to care for the vulnerable. Find someone that needs help and help them. It might be that you need to call one person a day and say, hey man, just thinking of you, is there anything you need? But in other words, get our, our hearts and our minds off of ourselves and onto other people and really put these promises into practice. Um, my aunt, Sheila, I remember for the longest time would send me texts. Hey, thinking about you today, here's a text I thought of. 
Hope it helps. And that is so uplifting. Finally, I just want to ask that we pray. Pray that God changes our thoughts and our minds and how we view stress and how we view our mental health during all this crisis and pandemics. There's going to be more to come. We're going to be strong. We're united. It, we've got God on our side. And he designed us to overcome all of this. Um, you might also want to fast while you're praying and just claim those Bible promises. You know, I want to belong to a church that um, is culturally relevant. It uplifts God and encourages each other, especially during times of COVID, pandemics, wars, rumors of wars. I just, I'm so encouraged by how God is looking after us and he knew this would come and he gave us exactly what we needed in our bodies, physiologically, to overcome all of this and transcend it. As Christians, we need to bridge the social moat that COVID has created. So, God bless.